The surah is Al-Qasas and we are learning about the story of Musa alayhi salam. And previously we learned about how Musa alayhi salam, when he was in Egypt accidentally, he murdered a man and the following day he was advised by somebody to leave. Why? Because Fir'aun's men were coming to seize him in order to punish him for what had happened. So Musa alayhi salam, he left Egypt, he fled from there, and he ended up in Madian. When he reached Madian, he saw, as he was resting near a watering place, he saw over there two women who were in need of some help. And what was the help they needed? That the shepherds, the men of course, they had their flocks in the watering area, and these two women were keeping away. So Musa salam he went and inquired about their situation, and he found out that those two women, their father was old, and they did not like to take their flocks into the men, so they waited for the men to leave. But Musa salam in his concern for others, what did he do? He, although he was tired and exhausted himself, he was in a very difficult situation. He helped out those who were in need. So he helped these two women, and he made dua to Allah, that Rabbi inni lima anzalta ilayya min khayrin faqir. And this is a very, very important dua. That whenever we find ourselves in a situation where we see that the doors are closed, we don't know where to go. We don't know what to do, what step to take next. Just put yourself in Musa salam situation. Where could he go? He didn't even know where he was going to get his next meal from. Where he was going to sleep that night. Right? If he was ever going to go back home or not. He didn't know what was going to happen. So many times a person finds himself in a similar situation where you're looking forward to something and all of a sudden that option is no longer there. Right? Like for instance, you apply to a particular program and you are looking forward to starting school the next week and then what happens? You find out you have not been admitted into that particular course. In fact, you haven't been admitted in any of the courses and so you think there is no hope for you. Right? So you wonder, what are you going to do next? So in this situation, what do we see is the prophetic way. First of all, we see that if a certain door has been closed, if an option is no longer there, it doesn't mean that you have no other option left in this world. If you cannot do one thing, certainly there are other things that you can still do. Musa salam didn't know where he was going to get his next meal from, where he was going to sleep that night. But he could help these two women in need. And when he found that door open, he took advantage of it. And this is what we need to do. That when we find ourselves lost and confused in a certain situation, stop looking at what we can no longer do, and start looking for things that we can still do. And when we take advantage of such opportunities, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will create more opportunities for us. And secondly, we see over here in, in the character of Musa alayhi salam, that when he helps out others, he also asks Allah for help. That, رَبِّ إِنِّي لِمَا أَنزَلْتَ إِلَيَّ مِنْ خَيْرٍ فَقِيرٍ That even if every door is closed, the door of dua is always, always open. Always open. No matter how difficult the situation is, we can always make dua. Right? And look at this dua, that, Oh Allah, I am faqeer, I am needy, I am desperate for any good thing that you can send my way. Only you can send something good my way, nobody else can provide good for me, only you can. So I place all my trust, all my hope in you. I am needy, I am desperate before you. I spread my hands out before you. 
And when a person seeks Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with so much hope and with so much trust and faith in Allah in such a desperate situation, then Allah certainly responds. And that's exactly what happened with Musa alayhi salam, that immediately help was sent his way. In which form? That we learned that فَجَاءَتْهُ إِحْدَاهُمَا تَمْشِي عَلَى اسْتِحْيَا That one of the two girls whom Musa alayhi salam helped, one of the two girls came walking to him, and she was walking with extreme shyness. Meaning she wasn't walking, you know, as if attracting attention or seductively, nothing like that. In fact, she was almost shy because she was walking alone. She was going alone to a non-mahram man. So as she's walking to him, when she comes to him, she says that, إِنَّ أَبِي يَدْعُوكَ لِيَجْزِيَكَ أَجْرَ مَا سَقَيْتَ لَنَا My father is calling you to pay you back for the fact that you watered our animals. And this shows the nobility of this family also. فَلَمَّا جَاءَهُ So when Musa السلام, he came, he accepted that offer because he didn't help the girls expecting a wage from them. Did he? No, he didn't. He didn't do a favor to them expecting something in return. He did it for the sake of Allah. So when he is given something in return, all right, without him expecting it, he accepts it. And this is something that we need to understand also. That when we do good to others, let us not expect anything good in return from them. Rather, let us expect good from who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You see, many times in life we have these complaints that I have always tried my best to be good to others. But they have never been good to me in return. Hmm? Like I have always helped out financially. I've always you know, given preference to other people. I have supported them. But I haven't received that support in return. So what was the benefit of the good that I did? Well, our thinking is wrong over here. When we are doing good to others, we should not expect them to pay us back. We should expect Allah to pay us back. So Musa alayhi salam, that is what he expected also. And this is the reason why he made dua. And then when he's offered help from this family, فَلَمَّا جَاءَهُ وَقَصَّ عَلَيْهِ الْقَصَصِ When he came to the father of these two women and he told him his old story, about his whole background, about the accidental murder. What was the response of the father? قَالَ لَا تَخَفْ He said, don't worry, don't fear. نَجَوْتَ مِنَ الْقَوْمِ الظَّالِمِينَ You have been saved from the wrongdoing people. Meaning now you're no longer in Fir'aun's territory. You are out of there. You are safe. You are in a safe place. So you don't need to worry about Fir'aun. He's never going to reach here to find you. Then what happened? قَالَتْ إِحْدَاهُمَا One of the two girls, she said, يَا أَبَتِي O my father, إِسْتَأْجِرْهُ You should hire him. إِسْتِجَارْ Like I mentioned to you earlier, from the word أَجْر, Hamza Jimra, أَجْر is a wage, and إِسْتِجَارْ is to hire someone on a wage. Alright? Meaning you hire them to do something in return for a wage that you're going to give them, to engage on pay. So istajirhu. She said, Father, hire him. This guy, he's good enough. He's got nowhere to go. Why don't you hire him? You yourself need help. And you have enough money that you can hire somebody. And this man is trustworthy. So why don't you hire him? And she says, Inna indeed khaira best. 
Man who, meaning the best person whom is jarta whom you can hire, is al-qawiyul amin, the strong person, and also the one who is trustworthy. Meaning, you, O oh Father, are in need of someone who is strong, capable of doing this work, and also trustworthy, reliable. Meaning, someone who is not going to cheat you. So it's as if she's telling her father, "Don't lose this man." Okay. Recruit him. Recruit this talent. Don't lose this opportunity. Alright? Now, this sentence, it really shows the intelligence of this woman, of this lady. That how, based on one interaction with Musa salam, she understands who Musa salam is. Based on one interaction, she recognizes the strength in Musa salam. And the amana, the trustworthiness in Musa First of all, the strength. How does she see his strength? From where does she see his strength? How? How is it that she realized that he was a strong person? Yes? Okay, there were other shepherds also who were watering their flocks. I mean, taking the animals to a watering place and then returning them, it's normal. Even little kids can do that, by the way. I mean, two women were doing it, right? So... How does she sense or how does she perceive his strength? Go ahead. Exactly. I mean, walking from Egypt to Madian is not something easy. It's not something that every other person can do. It's something that only a strong person can do. All the way from Egypt to Madian. Alright? Go ahead. Okay, that's a good point. That's a good point. So first of all, the fact that he made it from Egypt to Madian. Secondly, the fact that he had just reached, and without even taking much rest or finding any proper food or anything, he is willing to work and help. And thirdly, the shepherds are already crowding the area. All right? And so he brings in a flock in the midst of the shepherds, in the midst of that whole crowd, making his way through the crowd to the watering place, watering the animals, and then bringing them back. I mean, this shows the strength of a person. So if there is a person who is constantly asking for breaks, Oh, I'm too tired now. I'm too tired now. I can't do this anymore. Oh, you know, last week I went to the gym and I'm still hurting because of that. Well, you've got no strength then. Right? If a person is complaining two days after they fasted that I'm still you know, suffering from the effects of my fast, well, there's a huge problem, right? So the strength of Musa is quite evident over here. Secondly, she says that he is Amin. How does she see his amana? From where does she understand that he is trustworthy? He's not going to cheat. Go ahead, sister. Yes, that he took the flock, watered the flock, and then brought the flock back. If he wanted, he could have taken the flock away. Right? Cheated. But he didn't. Go ahead. Yes. Also his trustworthiness from the fact that he didn't hide anything from his story. He mentioned the whole story. He told him about his mistake. Okay? Go ahead. Yeah. His amana also from the way that he dealt with the two women. He didn't harass them. Right? He didn't demand any wage from them. He didn't chase them. 
Nothing like that. No, he just watered their animals, returned them, went back to the shade. Right? And then when the girl goes and calls him, he comes without even harassing her. I mean, this really shows someone's good character. How a man is dealing with a woman, alright, this shows his character, his amana, his trustworthiness. So she says that, oh father, the best person whom you can hire is someone qawi and ameen. So we see that this woman, based on one interaction with Musa salam, she understands who Musa salam is. And she overlooks his unknown past. I mean, yes, he had told them about his story, but who knows, it could have been worse. Right? How can you trust a stranger like that? And even the past that Musa did tell them about, his criminal record, they don't mind that. Because based on this interaction, they recognize his honesty, they recognize his sincerity, his well-wishing, the goodness of his character. Now, this ayah also teaches us that when selecting a person for a task, for any work, look for these two skills. First of all, strength, and secondly, trustworthiness. Quwa, strength, their capability. And you see, each work requires a certain kind of strength. Alright? Some things, they require physical strength. Other things, they require mental strength. Others, they require emotional strength. Right? So, whatever work it is, accordingly, what kind of strength is needed? The person whom you are selecting, do they possess the strength to perform the particular task properly? Do they possess the strength for the work that you want them to do? Can they handle it? Can they handle it? So the strength first of all. Secondly, trustworthiness. Honesty. How is their commitment? How is their loyalty? And this also shows to us that if we want to be of service to others, if we want to do some work, right, some good work, we need to develop these two qualities in ourselves also. Which two qualities? Strength. And secondly, trustworthiness. And strength comes from practice. Right, practice. Our problem is that we try something for a few days, then we get bored of it and we switch to something else. And we do it for a few days and then we get bored of that also and then we try a new option. And by the end of five years, yes, we have jumped from you know, one thing to another to another. We have tried like six different things, but we have developed zero strength in any one field. So strength is developed with practice, determination. It doesn't come magically. It doesn't come in one day. It doesn't come by just trying things out. It comes by hours and hours of practice. We learn that Abdullah bin Mas'ud anhu, he said that the people who had the most discernment were three. Meaning people who were really far-sighted, there were three. First of all, Abu Bakr anhu, Because he chose Umar anhu as Khalifa after him. Right? Secondly, the companion of Yusuf, the Aziz, when he said to his wife that Akrimi Mathwahu, that this boy whom I have brought in our house as a slave, treat him well in our house, perhaps he will benefit us. He noticed talent in Yusuf salam, which others did not. Remember the people who picked him up from the well, they sold him for a petty price. Right? And they were jahil concerning Yusuf alayhi salam. But the man who purchased him, 
he saw some good qualities in Yusuf a.s. And thirdly, Abdullah bin Mas'ud anhu said that it was the daughter of this man. When she said, Ya abatista'jirhu, Oh father, don't lose this man. Hire him. Inna khayra man al amin. The best person whom you can hire is someone who is strong and trustworthy. Now what happens? The father likes the advice. But he's got two girls after all. And here is a man whom he can hire, who would be of a lot of benefit to him. But does it make sense to keep two girls and a man in a house? So what does he do? The father is even more smart. Okay? The girl is smart and the father is more smart. What does he say? Qala he said to Musa a.s. Inni uridu. I want. Indeed, I want. An that unkihaka. That I have married to you. I give in marriage to you. Ihda one of ibnatayya. My two daughters. Ibnatayya. Ibnatay, two daughters. And you see the ya has a shadda because there's two ya's. One ya, the first ya is of tathniya, ibnatay. Alright? And the second ya is for me. So ibnatayya, my two daughters. Hataini, these two. Meaning these are the only two daughters I have. And I want to wed you to one of these two daughters of mine. Hataini. Hataini, this is a new word. Hataini is basically dual of hadihi. Hadihi, she. Alright, this meaning she. And hatani, hataini. Hatani is also used for dual, feminine. And hataini is also used for dual. Alright. So he said that I wish to wed you one of these, my two daughters. Why does he start with marriage? Because why would he keep a young man in his house while he had two girls? It's unrealistic to expect young people to remain chaste and pure while they remain unmarried and people from the opposite gender are always in their face. Seriously. It's unrealistic. It's zulm on people to prevent them from marriage and also have them face people from the opposite gender constantly. So the father is making a marriage proposal over here. Isn't that interesting by the way? The girl's father is proposing. Generally this is considered very wrong. Right? That no, no, no. The girl's side never proposes. They can only wish and hope that somebody, some Prince Charming is going to come and propose. Right? But we see that there is absolutely nothing wrong if the girl's family also proposes. This is similar to how Umar radiallahu anhu, when his daughter Hafsa radiallahu anha, her husband died in one of the battles, and she was still very young, he was worried about her. So he went to Uthman radiallahu anhu, Ali radiallahu anhu, Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, and all three of them said, no. Basically they said, yeah, you know, we'll think about it, and they didn't really give him a straight answer. Which meant a very polite no. Okay? So Umar anhu is taking the proposal. You see, as the father of the girl, he's doing that. And there's nothing wrong with that. Alright? And then what happened eventually? The Prophet ﷺ, he married Hafsa anha. 
Yeah, we also learn about Khadija anha that how she sent a proposal through her friend. It was indirectly. So basically the proposal came from the woman's side. Right? And also we see over here that he says, one of my two daughters, not both. Because two sisters cannot be married to one man at a time. However, he sets a condition. Okay? He says, ala, upon, meaning on the condition, on that, ta'jurani. Ta'jurani, you are employed by me. Alright? You are hired by me. Meaning you work for me. Ta'jura, same root, Hamza Jimra. For how long? Thamaniya, eight, hijaj, years. Hijaj, plural of the word, hijja. Alright? Hajim jim. Hijjah means year. And this is from the word hajj. Alright? Hajj is an annual event, right? So it comes after one year. So this is why the word hijjah is also used for a year. Alright? So he said that on the condition that you work for me for eight years. فَإِن but if Atmamta, you complete from itmam, ta mim mim. If you complete ashran ten, meaning instead of eight, if you end up working for ten years, famin indik, then from you, meaning then that would be a favor from you. So basically he is saying that it's up to you. I want that if you marry my daughter, you work for me for eight years. But if you end up working for 10 years, that would be ideal. But I'm not asking that you work for 10 years. 8 is what I'm asking for, and it's up to you. Whether you do it for 8 or 10 or more, that's totally your choice. وَمَا أُرِيدُ And I do not want. On that, أَشُقَّ That I make difficult, I put in difficulty, عَلَيْكَ on you. Meaning, I don't want to put you in difficulty. In other words, I'm not forcing you here. It's totally up to you. It's your choice. Ashukka from the root letters Sheen Qaf Qaf, Shak. Okay? Shak is to tear apart. And from this, the word is also used for putting someone in hardship, to be heavy and forceful, hard and burdensome. So I don't want to force you into this. If you don't want to marry my daughter, you don't want to work for me, that's perfectly fine. But this is my offer. You can marry my daughter on the condition that you work for me for eight years. I'm not imposing this on you. It's your choice. No pressure. And if you were to accept this offer, I won't make your life difficult for you. وَمَا أُرِيدُ أَنْ أَشُقَّ عَلَيْكَ This can also be understood as, I don't intend to make your life difficult, that I'm going to control you then. Alright? سَتَجِدُنِي Soon you shall find me. Meaning if you do agree to this, then you will find me, inshaAllahu, if Allah wills, min salihin among the righteous. Inshallah, if you do agree to this, and you stay with us, and for eight years you're working for me, I'm not going to make your life difficult and miserable. Inshallah, you will find me as a righteous companion. What do we see over here? First of all, we see that the father of these two girls, he is giving Musa salam a choice. Right? He's making an offer. And in that offer also, he's giving a choice. It's not like one option only. He's giving him two options. Eight years, ten years, your choice. Right? 
So basically, he's letting Musa a.s. feel that I'm not putting any pressure on you. And this is a very important thing to do when asking someone to do some work. Give them some choice so that they feel like they have some control over, over the situation. Alright? Like for example, if you want somebody to, let's say, clean something in the house. Alright? You can either go to them and say, do the vacuum. Vacuum. Or you can say, would you like to vacuum the carpets upstairs or would you like to broom the floors downstairs? Alright? You understand? So if you say, go vacuum, mothers, please listen attentively. Okay? And older sisters also. That if you just say to somebody, vacuum, they're going to say, no, who are you to tell me? I'm not doing it, I'm busy. Right? Don't try to be my boss. Right? And if you say, would you like to do this or would you like to do that? Then what happens? The person is being given a choice. They're being given some control over the situation. Trust me, it works really well with little kids. Really well. Okay? I read this in the doctor's office. This tip. And alhamdulillah, it works almost every time. Almost. Go ahead. And finally, I, you know, I made them to say, like, they want to be homeschooled. Do you want to go to school? Now sometimes I really blackmail them. Okay, I'm going to send back to your school. No, mama, we don't want to go. This is our choice to be homeschooled. So, because they were having a choice. Are you going to go over there or are you going to stay home? Yeah. You have to give a choice to other people. Right? And they should always have a way out. So Musa a.s. first of all, he's being given a choice. You can either accept this offer or you can reject it completely. And secondly, this offer also has two options. Eight years or ten years. It's totally up to you. Alright? And he's clarifying himself. You know, it really shows the nobility of this family. They're not greedy. They're not people who want to have control. And this is something that's very important, especially at the time of marriage. When proposing somebody, this is extremely important. And also when accepting a proposal, this is also very important. You know, yes, the father is setting a condition over here for nikah, and that's completely fine. It's completely fine to set conditions at the time of nikah. So for example, a woman can set a condition that, this is my condition that, for example, we have to live in such and such city, for instance. Alright? Unless it's impossible. Alright? Likewise, there could be another condition that, you can't marry another person. Okay? I'm just giving you examples. These conditions can be set. Alright? So over here, the father is setting a condition. But remember, these conditions should be maruf. They should be any acceptable, not crazy conditions that you have to pay off my entire student loan, which is by now $60,000 accumulating this much interest every month. Right? So you have to pay it off. And the man is saying that, should I pay off my interest loan or yours? Right? Likewise, you know, a woman cannot say that you have to provide me with an apartment in such and such place and you have to come up with a job that brings this much money every month and you have to give me such and such clothes and such and such stuff at the time of marriage. You know, conditions can be set, but they should be ma'roof. Because if these conditions are not ma'roof, then marriage will be possible or impossible? Impossible. You won't ever be able to find Mr. Perfect. Never. 
And as marriages are delayed, that also causes more problems. Now, another thing we see over here is that the father is setting this condition that Musa work for a period of time. Why? Because at the time of marriage, the man must give something to the woman. Something. Mahar is necessary. The man has to give something. Now, Musa salam, what did he have to offer? Did he have money with him? Nothing. His hands were empty. He had nothing with him. Right? And the only thing he could offer was what? His services. His work. So, the work that the girl was doing up until now, if she was to marry Musa salam, Musa salam would have to do that now. And not just for a day or two or, or anything. The father set a condition, eight years. That fine, you cannot give any gift to my daughter if you were to marry her, but you can do this work instead. And that's okay for us. So this teaches us that the mahar can be something like this also. Instead of demanding $25,000 for example at the time of marriage, a girl can say that I would like to go to school, I would like to complete my education, and it will cost up to $20,000. So my condition is that you pay for that. For example. Okay? She could say that. As long as it's ma'roof. Not that she's saying, I'm, I want to go to law school, and you have to pay for my entire law school. And he's like, my pockets are empty. I've got nothing. I'm almost the same age as you. Right? I'm also just freshly out of school. I don't have the money. So it has to be ma'roof. Alright? So what I want you to understand over here is that the girl is not being bought here. Because this is what some people say, oh, mahar is like buying the girl. See, the father is setting a condition, so the father is receiving benefit. No, it's not just the father who's receiving benefit. The daughter had to do this work. Wasn't she doing this work? Wasn't she taking the flock to the watering place every day? Wasn't that difficult for her? It was. Didn't she have to wait for a long time? Wasn't it so awkward for her and difficult for her to do this? So now, if Musa is marrying her, the condition is that, okay, you have to do that. The girl is off the hook now, now she's free. You understand? Okay, so what happened? Musa does he accept this offer? Qala, he said, ذَلِكَ that is بَيْنِي وَبَيْنَكْ Between me and between you. Meaning, I accept. This is established, this is confirmed between me and you. I accept. You know, like in nikah, the man says, قَبِلْتُ I accept. So this is another form of saying, قَبِلْتُ I accept. أَيَّمَ الْأَجَلَيْنِ He says, أَيَّمَ Whichever الْأَجَلَيْنِ Of the two terms, قَضَيْتُ I complete. Meaning whether it is eight years or ten years, whichever term I complete, فَلَا سُنَاتْ عُدْوَانَ عَلَيَّ عُدْوَانَ Injustice عَلَيَّ on me. Meaning it's a very fair deal. I don't see any injustice over here. Eight years or ten years, both are fine. Let's see how much I am able to do. Wallahu and Allah is Allah upon manakulu that which we say, wakilun, a witness. Allah is a witness over what we say. So basically, the contract was agreed. This was the marriage proposal and its acceptance. The mahr was set. Ijab and qubul was done. And Musa salam is, is, Married. Aren't you excited?
Musa a.s. is married. Now he has a family. Huh? Where he was basically homeless, now he's got a family. A father-in-law and a wife, sister-in-law. He's even got a job. He's even got some work. Right? Look at the blessings of marriage. Okay? Either we think marriage is a solution to all of our life's problems, or we think that marriage is going to be the beginning of all our life's problems. Right? It's two extremes that we exist in. Marriage is difficult, but it also has its blessings. Right? You know, it's amazing how literally a person will get married and very soon they'll even find a job. They'll even find work. You know, seriously, I've seen this in so many people. They have a, a child, alright, and they're worried. How are we going to afford everything? The car seat and the diapers and the clothes and whatnot. How are we going to afford all of this? And all of a sudden, the man, he even gets a promotion. Right? For example, all of a sudden, the money is just enough, alhamdulillah. So the thing is that our provider is not we ourselves. It is not a certain job that we're doing. Our provider is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So if we have to take care of ourselves or two people or from two to three or from three to five, how many ever, Allah is their provider. The job is a means. A person is a means. So as the family grows, as responsibilities grow, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will also give risk accordingly. So Musa salam he accepted this marriage offer. One thing that we see over here is about Musa salam that for the next eight years, where is he going to be living? Where is he going to be living? In Madian, but with who? His father-in-law. Generally, don't we see the opposite? That the girl has to move in with the husband's family. Here we see that the husband, the boy, the man is moving in with the wife's family. That means that is also okay. There's nothing wrong with that. As long as we respect other people's privacy and their space and also their lives, right? We don't try to interfere and whatnot. This is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Because the man, yes, he is supposed to provide for his wife, for his family, he is supposed to provide the accommodation and everything. But provision is not always in the form of a house, money, etc. It can also be in the form of service. It can also be in the form of support. You see, the thing is that we now think that I have to be independent. We have to be independent. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has not created us independent. He has created us dependent. On who? On Him? And also on one another, on each other. And this is Allah's mercy. Because as human beings, we cannot survive by ourselves. We need one another. We need each other. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created a healthy dependency, alright, between people. That the needs of one person, the fulfillment of the needs of one person have been kept in the other. Meaning one person cannot fulfill all of his needs by himself. He needs somebody else for the fulfillment of his or her needs. 
We cannot survive alone. We cannot live by ourselves. We need people with us, around us. And if we try to do everything ourselves, we're only going to harm and destroy ourselves. We are the ones who will feel alone. We will experience loneliness, no friendship. You know, those moments when we are desperate for companionship, those moments when we're desperate for just somebody on our side to listen to us. So when Allah has created this healthy dependency between people, we should accept it. And we should look at the positive side of it instead of complaining about its difficulties. Remember, the Prophet ﷺ said that a person who lives amongst people, tolerating the hurt that they cause them, is better than a person who is alone, cut off from others, and he does not tolerate anything that people do to him. Who's better? The one who's doing sabr or the one who's not doing sabr? The one who's doing sabr. He's always better. So Musa ﷺ, he doesn't feel any shyness over here in accepting this because it seems okay. He's getting in fact another opportunity to help somebody. You see, always think this way. I have an opportunity to help someone. I am now going to be on the giving side, not just on the receiving side. One more thing we see here about Musa is that he accepts the marriage proposal. He's marrying someone who is from his native land. Is he marrying someone who's from back home? Who is it? Who is it? Who is he marrying? A foreigner. In which land? In a foreign land. Why doesn't he just wait for somebody from back home? They would have their culture to share and the language to share and the foods will be the same and everything will be similar. Wouldn't that be nicer? Why does he accept this marriage to a foreigner? Why? Because this brought him the blessings of marriage, of family, of companionship, of work. So he's overlooking the differences over here and he is focused on the khair that is going to come about from this union. Right? So this is also something that we need to get over. Right? That even though people from two different backgrounds, they've been born in the same country, same country, they've gone to similar schools, they're working in similar places, they've been brought up in a very similar way, but just because the skin color is different, or the mother tongue is different, which neither of them speak really well, marriage is not possible, no way. Why not? It would be better to marry somebody who's, you know, from your local area instead of back home, because you might have better understanding with them. I'm not saying that's always the case. I'm not saying that that is the reason why you should reject a proposal. I'm just telling you know that this is also an option that should be considered. Remember the hadith, the Prophet ﷺ said that a person is married for one of four reasons. What reasons? Beauty, wealth, or nasab, lineage. And we think, oh why? We don't do that. We do that. Of course we do that. Because we want the person to be from back home also. Right? And all of those conditions that we have set, I mean, they are helpful, but they're not essential for a marriage to work out. They're not essential. Now, over here, don't you want to say anything about marriage? Such a hot topic. Go ahead. 
Assalamualaikum. <coughs> so recently in anthropology class, we learned that there was a tribe, Aboriginal tribe, and every time it was it came to marriage, uh, they would make sure that who their daughter or son was being married to had to be of a different tribe, and they had to speak a different language so that there would be a diversity of language, and you were not allowed to marry somebody from your tribe. Interesting. See, it, it has its pluses, right? It has its benefits. There is more diversity, and and that is healthy. Alhamdulillah. Anything else? Any questions? Go ahead. Assalamualaikum. You said that uh, you can put in a condition for uh, marriage, and then you gave the example of some people do it. So they say that you can't marry another woman. Is that allowed? Because you're making something that. I is mean, technically, technically, because a man is allowed. Okay, so he shouldn't be forbidden from something that he is allowed to do. Just be good to him so that he doesn't even consider marrying somebody else. Okay. Just remember it has to be ma'roof. Okay. Meaning acceptable culturally, doable for the man, and something that's not forcing him to leave something that Allah allows him or forbids him from doing something that Allah has ordered him to do. Alright. Like for example, a girl says, my condition is that you must, must go for fajr salah to the masjid every day. Okay. And then she's the one who's watching movies at night with him. How is he meant to wake up in the morning and go for fajr? Alright? So, in the understandable conditions. And this also teaches us that really, I mean, the fact that based on one interaction, they understand who Musa alayhi salam is. They're not digging into his past. They don't send somebody to Egypt and find out really is this true or not. They accept Musa alayhi salam's word because they have seen his trustworthiness, they have seen his strength, and they accept that. Our problem is that if we find out about somebody, we have to dig into their past, like past like 20 years or something, and not just their past, the past of the entire family. Right? And then we find something very strange and based on that, shot down, shot down, shot down. I mean, everybody is rejected. 